If you like the Live Wild podcast and enjoy hunting-related apparel, I've got you covered. I just launched some great t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts under my own Live Wild brand. You can find them now on my website, remywarren.com. I just want to say thanks again, everyone, for all the support, and I really hope you enjoy these designs as much as I do. Who knows? Maybe you'll head over to my website and find your next lucky hat. I'm Remy Warren, and I've lived my life in the wild. As a professional guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days perfecting my craft. I want to give that knowledge to you. In this podcast, we relive some of my past adventures as I give you practical hunting tips to make you more successful. Whether you're just getting started or a lifelong hunter, this podcast will bring you along on the hunt and teach you how to live wild. This podcast is presented by Mountain Tough and Yeti. I partnered with Mountain Tough because a lot of the tactics and hunt styles I talk about in this podcast require you to be in the best physical shape you can. Their app is designed for hunters to get you ready for the backcountry or any hunt you have planned this fall. Yeti's been a longtime supporter of mine and they make some of the toughest products out there that are built to last and they're built for the wild. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. So this week, we're going to dive into the mental aspect of a hunt. I really believe this is one of the hardest things to articulate and probably one of the most important things when it comes to success. So this week, we're bringing in a special guest, Phil Kornichuk from the Mountain Tough family. He has an extensive resume of 22 years in special operations, and he's broken down some actionable programs to help get you mentally ready for the mountains. Hey, Phil, welcome to the Live Wild podcast. Thanks so much for coming here and being so willing to share what you know. We're going to be talking a little bit about mental toughness, and I know that this is something that with Mountain Tough, you guys have been developing a program to help teach people how to be mentally tough. I think the first you know thing that I'd like to get through is just a little bit about your background, kind of where you came from and then how you kind of wove your way into this journey of speaking to people and building out these programs to get people mentally strong. Yeah, absolutely, Remy. And, you know, first off, thanks for having me. You know, pleasure to be here and excited to connect with uh, you know, the folks who are following you. So quick background on my story. Uh, you know, I was a high school dropout, you know, full disclosure. I was 16, kind of clueless on life, stumbled into the military when I was 17. And what I had there was structure as well as kind of leaders and people who invested in me. And frankly, you know, kind of put a boot in my ass and, uh, showed me what I was capable of. And I also realized that, hey, if I don't quit and just put my head down and keep stepping, uh, I can do some pretty incredible things. So I went from high school dropout to an enlisted infantry soldier. Then I ended up being a a non-commissioned officer, so in charge of a small team. And then I had, you know, again, leaders who invested in me, believed in me. They, you know, encouraged me to pursue officer training. I became an officer, uh, led again in the infantry and combat arms. And then I ended up going to Ranger Regiment. Uh, which is one of the special operations organizations within the U.S. Army. And the standards were pretty high there. And they they pushed you pretty hard. And you had peers who, you know, you didn't want to let down. This is around the time that 9-11 happened. And we began deploying to combat in Afghanistan, then later Iraq and other places around the world. So mental toughness went from something in training to now, you know, lives depended on, hey, could you carry your weight and could you could you cover your, your brothers and sisters in combat? So I did that for a couple of years. After being a ranger, uh, I went to special forces selection and I was picked up there and I served in first special forces group. I was a team leader, uh, ODA commander, as well as some other jobs in that organization. More deployments, more seeing how 
Uh, I wouldn't say it was less the physical part, but it was definitely the physical, the technical, and the tactical, just like hunting, but coupled with that mental piece made all the difference in how you could endure through adversity and setbacks was what sort of separated, you know, frankly, success from failure uh, in the long game. I continue to serve the military in a variety of other organizations uh, that were, again, kind of elevating level of challenge uh, to, to get there and serve there in some pretty unique missions. And then I ended up retiring in 2019 and really trying to carry these lessons forward to different you know, sports teams, uh, some, some academics, business folks. And it was the same principles that helped me go from high school dropout, uh, E1 private in the military to leaving, uh, you know, it was as a lieutenant colonel in some of the highest special operations organizations that the U.S. has to offer, uh, as well as enduring 12 deployments. Those same things that worked there uh, helps, you know, folks on game day, help folks in the back country, help folks in the boardroom. So the principles are universal. They look a whole lot different when you're, you know, chasing after that trophy elk 12 miles back in the mountains than they do, you know, Tuesday when you're doing a video presentation to the board. Uh, but again, those core uh, principles, kind of mental toughness, focus, and, and pursuing it the right way uh, carry over. That's awesome. That's a really cool story. You know, I think one of the things I think that we should at least address is, is what essentially mental toughness is. Because I, I've said this many times on the podcast, and there's like a lot of things that it's, it's hard to teach someone, right? Uh, when I'm guiding, I've got clients that come in and they're, I've said it many times, there's a guys that I've had essentially outwork the people that are in way better shape than them. And it's because they just have it in their head that they can keep going, they can keep doing, they can keep pushing on. And then there's those people that you know by all means should be able to keep up, should be able to do whatever the task is, and they essentially quit because they just they don't know that they can do it. So I think we should kind of, like for the people listening, is, is dive into what exactly is mental toughness. Yeah, I think probably the easiest definition is mental toughness is you don't quit when things get hard. So for the people who are like me that have a goldfish memory, you don't quit when things get hard equals mental toughness. I, I want to make sure, too, that folks understand it's not just the physical piece, but there's also the mental, the social, the emotional aspects of mental toughness. Like I have I have eight kids, I have six teenagers at home right now. Um, you know, a busy day in Syria makes, makes my home life, you know... Um, teenagers still way harder than, than anything I've ever had to deal with overseas. So it requires more mental toughness there than it did in the other way. I think if you want to get into a little deeper definition, you know, it's a collection of those values, attitudes, kind of behaviors, and emotions that you feel that enable you to kind of overcome any obstacle, uh, adversity, or kind of pressure that, that's put on you in pursuit of a goal. That's kind of a, a very technical term. Uh, to me, it's, again, don't quit when things are hard. If you need a little more, it's, hey, you're doing what needs to be done, you know, to the best of your abilities. So you're not just grinding through it, but you're trying to excel. Uh, you're doing it for the right reasons. You're doing it consistently, and you can do it in any environment, any circumstance. Yeah, I think that that one of the things that I think about, right, is, is we could sit here and say, oh, don't quit when things get hard. And then somebody's like, oh, yeah, I'm going on this hunt. I'm just not going to quit when things get hard. And saying it and doing it are two completely different things. I think that, you know, I have people show up on a hunt or I take somebody out or, or I'm with somebody and, and something happens, right? And you're like, oh, just just don't give up. It's like, yeah, in in the saying of it, that's real easy to do. But in the doing of it, there's like, I feel like it's like something that people that are really good at it have been doing it. It took a long time. They've been doing it 
in practicality. They've been out there, you know, doing hard things day in and day out. And then some kind of situation arises and they just go like, yeah, it's just another, it's just another obstacle. It's like an entire mindset and a way of thinking. And at its core, it seems very simple. But as you know, it takes a lot of practice. It takes, it's just like building a muscle. It takes a lot to be able to get to that point where when you go out and you are in this, I mean, for our listeners, it's it's hunting based and most of the people are going to encounter this when they're on day five of a 10 day hunt, right? And they're like, shit, weather's bad. Um, they're completely exhausted. They feel physically unprepared. They feel like maybe they got in over their head and then how do they keep going? And so the things that like have got them to that point. And I know through Mountain Tough, you guys have kind of developed a program to be like, here's how we can uh, teach you about mental toughness. And then here's the things that you can do to essentially train for mental toughness. Sure. I, I really appreciate the fact that you brought up. It's easy for us to talk tough in the lodge about mental toughness, but yeah, it's a whole lot different when it's 33 and raining and we're, we're on day six of that 10 day trek uh, and still haven't seen a single, single elk or whatever, right? I think to the point you're, you're bringing up, if people show up and expect I can just flip this on when needed in the moment, uh, most of them will be sorely disappointed. It is exactly, as you say, it's a muscle that needs to be trained, practiced, honed, developed, customized. You know, it's, you know Mountain Tough does the, the physical workouts really well. Uh, but there's, there's different programs depending on where you're at in the season and, and what you're training for. You know, and it's it's the same with mental toughness as far as you have to put the work in beforehand. And a lot of that it is, it's it's just seeing where your limits are, practicing hard things iteratively over and over, you know, getting used to listening to that, you know, inner person kind of get uncomfortable and feel pain and feel fear and feel a challenge and then tell them like, hey, it's okay, we're gonna get through it. You know, we have the, the program we've come up with mental toughness, it's we're treating it just like a workout program. We're like, hey, this works for muscles. Can we get this to work for mind? And ideally, you want that mind-body connection. To me, that nexus is where mental toughness is. It's not just you're thinking positive thoughts and barfing rainbows. It's, hey, I'm able to leverage my mind to get my body to do extra things. And actually, you can kind of flip that too. Sometimes your body can trick your brain into being tougher than it wants to be. So we've got uh, 10, 10 blocks. Each program is about 15 to 20 minutes long. And we look at, you know, teaching people to kind of refine, hey, you've got this goal that you want to be mentally tough for. Again, let's use the, the hunting example. I'm, I'm spending a ton of money to go out work with Remy. We're going to go. I've got these, these goals. It's going to be a 10-day program or however long it is. It's going to be hard. Um, first off, be able to understand what's your purpose. Why are you going out there? What's the overarching reason? Kind of what are the principles you're going to apply when you go out there? Who do you want to be? How do you want to act when it gets hard? It's easy to be mentally tough. Again, we're sitting in a nice, comfortable lodge here. It's great. I'm mentally tough as can be right now. But if you ask me to go sit in the creek out there for four hours, I'm going to get a little shaky. You know, we want we want people to build kind of those habits, that daily practice to condition their, their minds and their bodies for mental toughness and just understand what mindset do I need to have when I'm in a challenge and don't wait till you're in it to practice it, but seek out adversity and challenge on your own. So you can sort of see where you're at. Where does my mind go when I feel stress and pressure? Um, you know, we talk about how do you build your team? Who's going to, who's going to pull you up and make you better and make you tougher? Uh, and who's dragging you down and how do we, how do we adjust that? There's some ways where, you know, we, we do talk about, and I mean, we can touch on it later in this program where in the moment, you know, when you feel yourself getting amped up and your mind starting to get a bit out of control and spin, which of course causes us to 
pull shots, perform poor, lose our footing, do whatever. Uh, there's some actual physiological techniques you can apply to, again, use your body to rein your brain in to elevate that mental toughness. Uh, and then there's, there's one aspect we talk about that's counterintuitive for mental toughness, but it's, hey, what do you do to disengage and rest? You know, just like if you worked out every day and you were going for max reps or ultra runs every day, if eventually your body starts to get beat up or you at least don't make the gains you should. Mental toughness is the same way. We train hard, we push hard, but how do I recharge that battery mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually? And that's kind of all pieces where we have folks walk through that and build their own customized program. And it's really just a start point. Uh, but a lot of people look for like, give me a framework to develop this. Traditionally, we just go out and do hard things and it'll organically form over time, but it's not really thought out here. We really tried to look at multiple experiences and go, okay, if I had to teach someone over time, how to develop mental toughness and an iron mind, how would I do that? And this is what we came up with. That's awesome. Well, I think let's, um, let's kind of dive in here and we're going to kind of create some things that people, especially kind of specific for hunters. I get a lot of uh, questions. A lot of the things that the, the direction that I try to take the podcast is from people saying like, hey, I want to know about this. And one of the things that keeps coming up is guys that get into a situation, they're like, I work my ass off. I'm prepared, all this stuff. And then I get that bull elk in front of me and I completely lose my shit, <laughs> you know? And it's like, what can I do? And and I kind of think about it. And I'm uh, my buddy always uh, makes fun of me because he like ask for advice, and I'll be like, "Yeah, just don't freak out," <laughs> you know. And that's like I was like, "But I don't just you know, make your it, shot." At some point, you do things in repetition, and, and you get used to finding ways to control that, to control your breathing, to control all that stuff. And I think it'd be good to kind of look at a few of the aspects of maybe a hunt and some things that people can take actionably into the field when things go wrong and ways that we can kind of develop that mental toughness for the people listening. Today. No, I, I love that example because I can completely relate to it. Uh, I've, I've been that person who, who when that, that elk breaks brush that my heart rate shoots to the roof and I get all amped up and excited. And despite the fact that I've done some pretty high intensity things overseas before, I, I you know, I freak out when this elk's there and, you know, make it a lot harder than it needs to be. And, you know, I th there is, there's some really useful hacks that people can use in the moment for that, that are, that are a small physiological aspect of mental toughness, but it, they've got to be practiced before you're sitting up there after investing all that, there's time and resources to go on a hunt. Um, and then, and then you, you have that moment. That's not the time to, to practice it. You got to practice it at the range beforehand under, you know, as we'd say, combat conditions. And if I can, I just love to share a quick, like where this came from yeah. and how it came into my life, you know, as, as someone who's in special operations is, you know, I spent years and years being an operator, leading operators, and then eventually kind of working on, Hey, how do we train these really seasoned experienced people to be even better? And we had one course that was about, uh, you know, it was about six months long. Uh, people come into it were very experienced, but it was high pressure, high standard, nothing mind-blowingly complex, but it was done, you know, it was the fundamentals done perfectly under extreme conditions, right? Uh, and we would have these really accomplished, you know, SEALs, Green Braves, whoever they were going through the training, and you'd watch them, they'd make a small mistake, they'd fix on it, and they'd, they'd start cratering in their mind. Their mental toughness would take it, you know, just just quit on them. And all of a sudden, things that you knew they could do extremely well, they were struggling with. They were they were pulling shots. They were getting you know making bad decisions under pressure. Again, probably not wildly different from what you see out on a hunt when someone's fatigued or 
you know, they, they've got stuff kind of bogging down their mind or getting them overly excited. So one of my instructors came up and he showed me this book. It's by Jason Selk. He's a sports psychologist called 10 Minute Toughness. And it, it has a, a whole drill on how to kind of psychologically prepare for challenging situations. But the, the one really neat thing about it was is it taught you this controlled breathing method. So we started using it with our operators and we watched them you know, when they'd get amped up, they'd just take that half second pause, they'd calm themselves down, and then they would execute. They'd focus on the fundamentals and execute flawlessly. And those same folks were doing that overseas when they're, when they're going in on the helo, in on a mission, taking that time to just, let me do my focused breathing, let me calm my heart rate down, calm my thoughts down, and focus what, on what must be done versus don't screw up. You know, the last thing you, the last thing I want to tell you is don't do this, don't do that in a pressure time. Cause all it hears is, you know, jerk the trigger, hold my breath. You know, you're doing all these spastic, unhelpful things, right. And in your brain just going, don't do that. And you're, you're inadvertently doing it. Uh, so, so I found, you know, Selk's method's really good. And then, uh, Mark Devine, he's uh, he's the founder of seal fit, uh, wrote some great books. He has a really simple process. I don't know if he developed it or he just kind of popularized it. Um, I'm going to say he developed it for lack of you know, for not knowing any better and giving him credit, but it's, it's called box breathing and it's the same principle. And what I love about it is it's really easy to remember. And it's when you get in that emotionally heightened state, uh, you just pause for a second and you just inhale through your nose for four seconds, hold it down deep for four, exhale slowly for four, and then hold your breath again for four. So you're kind of doing like a, a box with, with your breath. I do it four times because there's just a lot of fours involved in it. So I just roll with it. And I've noticed I've done it with a heart rate monitor before and I've done it at the range. I've done it while doing different things where I go from a really physical event and, and I'm, I'm sweaty and amped up to now I'm transitioning to something technical or that requires precision, i.e. taking, you know, that 400 yard shot or whatever um, after scrambling over a ridge. And it works phenomenally well. I think part of it is you are just kind of calming your body down and getting that that physical rest, but you're also just by controlling your breathing, your brain's kind of going, oh, okay, I got this. And then I just start telling myself, you know, hey, what what are the key things I need to do to execute this task flossy? All right, make sure I'm in a stable position. Okay, I've got a good sight picture. My breathing's calm. A nice, easy trigger squeeze and follow through. And it's just you're in that state versus like, oh my God, that's the biggest bull I've ever seen. My God, I got to hit it and, you know, don't screw up and you pull the shot or you have a lousy shot and then you have a lot more hiking ahead of you. So that simple box breathing, the inhale four, hold four, exhale four and hold for four and doing that for four cycles, you know, breathing in and out through your nose, even when you're winded, uh, can really help just bring you back down to a much more calm, focused level, which I know for me is, has helped literally in the hunt. So I just, that's, you know, if there's a simple hands-on tactical technique to take from mental toughness, I wouldn't say that's an easy one, but I say that's a great one to start practicing at the range. As they're getting physically prepared for this, just as they go out and they're, they're doing those known distance shots or unknown distance shots, start integrating that breathing with it. Or, you know, doing a little sprint or getting amped up and then, practice slowing down and making it yeah that's really cool i think that's one you know like thinking about just focusing on your breath is one of the easily overlooked things because we do we just breathe all the time but breathing with that intention of breathing in calming yourself down uh one of the things that i did a long time ago um 
I don't know why I started doing it, but I'd be like hiking up a hill and I'd notice my, everything's breathing hard. And I just, I would, I'd force myself to control my breathing while I'm going up the mountain. And I had this actually right back here. You can see it from where we're sitting, this ridge right there. I used to hike up it every day and I'd have my pack on and, and I'd, it, when I first started doing it, I was like, I had to stop every once in a while. And then I'd be like, oh, out of breath. And my goal was, okay, I'm just going to keep hiking up this ridge till I can get to the top without stopping. And then once I could do that, it was like, okay, now I'm going to hike up this ridge and control my breathing the entire time. And by doing that, I kind of tricked my body into whatever the circumstances were, no matter how, how hard they were, I can immediately calm myself down. And I've used that trick you know, so many times. And it's funny when you hear other people like come to these conclusions that you're like, oh, okay, like I've, I've done the same thing and didn't even know I was doing something, you know? And, and it does work. I mean, when, when I'm guiding or I'm taking somebody on a hunt and we're like, I'm the kind of person that's like, I want to be where those animals are when they're there and we're going to move fast until we get there and you're going to push yourself really hard and then we're going to get in position and figure it out. And so like I'll, I'll be pushing somebody really hard before we, you know, make that final, I, I, I stop and I say, control your breathing, Bre you know, breathe in, just give them a little breath practice. Okay. And everyone's like, Oh, I feel so much better. Okay. Now we're going to go in with that, you know, keep that going because it is incredible what, you know, your mind and your body can do when you, and not necessarily, I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of a trick in some ways of just tricking yourself to reset and focus on the task at hand, not all the other things that are, are coming in and those other things of like, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I'm this. Oh, there's the elk. Oh, my God, there's the elk. And then freaking out and thinking about, I, I always like to think you're, you're kind of like, oh, when I first started bow hunting, I didn't really have anybody teach me how to bow hunt. I kind of had to teach myself. And the guy that I watched was this guy named Byron Ferguson, and his instruction to shoot a bow was be the arrow, right? But what that taught me is like, you know, your, your things go where you're focused. And so if you're focused on, I used to work with a guy who would guide, and every time his clients would, every time he came in, oh, they missed this, that, and the other thing, right? And I went out with him one day because my clients had filled their tag, and I went out with him. And we, he gets in to position, and he just would get amped up and he'd work these people up. He would, don't miss, don't miss. He's right there. Don't miss. And they would miss every time. And it's like, well, they're focusing on not missing. You're putting their mind and their entire focus into not missing. Whereas I walk them through the process of, okay, pick that spot. Just easily squeeze the trigger, focus on that one spot. You've got time. Go ahead and make, you know, you've got, the, you're just like the exact opposite, focusing on where they should hit, not where they shouldn't. Yeah, that, that is so money in so many ways. It's funny you, you describe that other guy and kind of getting amped up. I was doing free fall parachuting. I was down in Arizona. And when I first went through the school, uh, the instructor I had, it was one-on-one -on -one jumping. It was the exact same way. He was kind of the, don't F up. And he'd get really, really, really excited. And I remember him once yelling at me, you got to effing relax, man. You got to effing relax. And I'm just sitting here like, no, we're actually 14,000 feet up in the air and you're yelling at me and you look pretty nervous and I can see the veins. I'm not relaxed. Sorry. Right. <laughs> and it, and it's, it, it truly is, you know, I do a whole talk and it's really more for almost kind of a life mental toughness thing, but like you live in the world you focus on, you know, point positive, focus on what you want to do or what you need to do versus what could go wrong or what happened. Uh, Cause you, your brains, you know, it's going to go where you direct it. And I think a lot of us forget that. And we're just like, Oh man, I don't know why I think these thoughts, but you can take a second. That's what I love is the breathing kind of lets you 
oh, hold on, I do control this. All right, let me focus on what I do to make this a perfect shot. You know, be the arrow. That's that's such a great analogy. Um, I'll watch people mountain bike and do the same thing. Like they go where they look. So they'll see that, the rock or the drop off and they're looking at it like, I don't want to go there. But because they're looking, they inadvertently steer to it. It's, yeah, where you focus on is where you're going to go. And, you know, it's that's that's going to be your world and expand. So, so good. The uh, You talk about the key tasks and, and getting in, in moments. I... I used to do this in combat and maybe people think less of me for it, but you get in some pretty sketchy situations where guys are getting hurt bad or you need to call for air support or, you know, you get a call in a medevac or, or make some, some sketchy decisions. And it's really easy to get amped up in the moment. I mean, bullets are flying, people are screaming, there's a lot going on. Uh, and I, I used to have like literally a playbook in, in my, in my leg pocket of these laminated three by five cards that depending on the scenario, I just kind of whip out. And my, you know, my ritual was kind of when, you know, I, I was a commander, like my job was to make good decisions and kind of create order out of chaos uh, if I was doing my job right and, and give clarity to people who all they had was what they heard from me on the radio. And I'd, I'd been on the other and I'd heard so many amped calls. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but it sounds bad. And my, my mechanism to make myself to reset is I'd take a knee in these chaotic situations. I just kind of whip it out and I just go through my checklist real quick and make sure that when I started talking on the radio, or directing my team that I had confidence, I had clarity, and I was, you know, following the steps, not, you know, in the hunting analogy, not just throwing myself down and getting in a crappy position and squeezing the shot because, you know, I, I think that that bull's going to turn into smoke and disappear to me. It's like, no, just follow the steps. And, you know, I, I used to get feedback from people who are on the other end that were like, yeah, you know, we could hear all this stuff going on in the background, but you were just calm. You were even like, how do you do that? And I'm like, well, honestly, <laughs> kind of got like the little quarterback playbook that I, that I'll go through. And, um, because I tried it the other way and it was, I would miss things. I'd forget things. I'd be amped up and confuse others. You, the breathing piece too. I just, I love your example of hiking up that hill there. I mean, you organically develop the mental toughness to do what you do. Like you're just product of the environment. And I'm sure if we talked for a while, we could sketch out what the steps were, but I had a similar practice and I, I love it because many paths to the top, right? Many paths to becoming tougher and better versions where I used to force myself on runs or climbs. Like I'm just going to breathe through my nose and I, you get this panicky, like, but I can't get enough air. And eventually you settle into this calm controlled, like, no, I can move at a good pace. I can breathe through my nose. I can control my body. I can suppress that panic in my mind. It's just such a good exercise of, yep, I'm just, I'm a machine and I can control it. Uh, but it takes practice, lots yeah. and lots of practice. That's very cool. So I think what I'd like to do now is is just let's dive into something that guys can do today to make themselves better tomorrow. Uh, some Just some things like that they can take away and say, okay, this is how I can become more mentally tough, and these are just little practices in my day-to-day -day life. And then the other thing I'd really like to touch on in a little bit as well is just how to deal with failure because that's something that comes up – if you don't encounter failure in the field when you're hunting, and then you probably haven't been <laughs> like hunting long enough, right? Like if all you had was success, but that failure happens constantly. So what are ways that we can kind of deal with that failure? Because I think that that's also a breaking point of when you're actually in the field. So maybe ways to prepare to build that mental toughness. And then when you're in the field, you know, and things go to shit, how do we adjust? No, I think those are both great topics to cover. 
and you know, I'll hit the first and then kind of pause if you have any questions and we can move on to the, the failure one because I, I agree with your points uh, absolutely that they're kind of critical. I think first it's important to realize like we are what we repeatedly do. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter how you feel or what do you think, we are the sum of our actions. And really it's those automatic habits are, are what define us, whether we're fit, whether we're mentally tough, whether we're soft, whether we're a good person, a bad person. A lot of times when you distill it down, it's that those subconscious behaviors and patterns you've built up over time are, are what you are. Um, you are what you do because of your job, the habits you've built, you're outside, you're active. Uh, that That's kind of forged Remy in your current state. Uh, now you interact and share it with people that's added a new dimension. So when people go, hey, how can I better prepare? How can I improve myself overall? Uh, especially in the West, we always look for something big and flashy and it'll, it'll change my life. I'm going to work out 90 minutes a day every day for the rest of my life. That'll last about two days and then they're going to be broken and and I, I sort of take the other approach where I'm like, what's the smallest thing you can do consistently over time is probably going to make the biggest difference. So first thing is I recommend people kind of just, just look at your day, just take a few minutes in the quiet and just reflect on what, what does my day typically look like from when I get up all the way until I wind down for the night and, and go to bed. And just assess those automatic activities. And they're actually really hard to think of because they're automatic. And then, you know, just put a plus or minus on what's, what's moving me towards being more prepared, uh, mentally tougher, better for this big physical event or hunt I've got coming up. And what's probably pulling me away from it. Typically things are going to move you towards or, or, or away from. And I, I like to look at those audits and go, okay, of these habits that are kind of dragged me away, you know, I, I, lo I love IPAs. I just, I just do, and I also like watching The Office. So having three IPAs and watch this, watching Office reruns at night, that's not going to help me in my quest to be a badass backcountry hunter, as much as I wish it would. When they come out with a health beer, uh, we need to market the heck out of that, and we're going to become gajillionaires. But that's not there yet. So it's something, for example, I'd look at my habits. I'd be like, you know, <laughs> I'm spending, you know, an hour. I'm having a few beers. I'm just vegging out, doing nothing productive. And I think cutting that would move me closer towards my goal. Or maybe you're, maybe it's going from three beers to two or from two to one. I don't know what that looks like. And, and again, I apologize if you're sponsored, like I said, by Budweiser, uh, you can edit this part out. But finding the habits that aren't helping you and, and cut, and I'm not talking cut all of them, I just cut one out. Which one's that low-hanging fruit? Again, we're trying to build a model for success. Now, conversely, flip it on its side and go, okay, what am I not doing that I, what's a small thing I could be doing consistently that will make me better equipped, that will build mental toughness, that will, you know, make me more effective when I, I go out and pursue this goal. Again, we use, you know, the example of coming on a, a backcountry hunt with you. And that could be something, you know, as simple as, well, I'm not going to go, you know, work on beach muscles for an hour every day. I'm going to start getting after my cardio, doing some hill work, walking with a pack, uh, doing lunges, doing something specific. So you're actually replacing an existing habit, which is good, working out with something that's more tailored. Uh, or for people who are like, hey, look, man, I am, I'm way too busy to work out. You know, I'm just going to show up and I hope Remy takes me on an easy route, uh, you know, because I'm just, I'm not there. You know, if you're that person going, look, it, it doesn't necessarily take a lot, but you know, you start off with a hey, five minutes, first thing every morning, I, I warm up, I stretch and I just you know, I'm doing a hundred lunges or whatever, you know, so, some small habit you can do consistently uh, that will move you towards a direction. 
So if you cut a bad one, you add a good one, you've sort of doubled your efforts right there. And what's great is there's a tendency when we start making positive habits and positive actions that they breed more positive results. Meaning you're like, I'm doing five minutes, I'm stretching out, I'm doing some lunges to get me ready. Like, what else can I do? Oh, and I've cut down the drinking, so I'm starting to, you know, my body's conforming a bit. Well, let me you know, let me work on my technical aspect. How can I be a better shot? It's just, you start getting into this positive spiral. So I'm a big habits person. Uh, I work with people on that as far as identifying the things that are hurting them, that they can push to the side. Uh, and then, you know, the things that they can add that'll help them. That's sort of wave tops. I'll pause there if that's in the ballpark of what you're asking, Remy. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, just, I, I like that the things that you do over and over are the things that you get really good at, in my opinion, right? And so if, if you're constantly doing things over and over that really aren't productive to what you want to be doing, you aren't helping yourself. But by just creating those habits of, okay, I, I'm doing this over and over. And I know that uh, through your guys' program, one of the, the things that you touch on a lot is doing hard things over and over, whether, you know, and, and working out's a really good example of that, like getting people out of their comfort zone, building a habit of doing something over and over that's hard for them. And by doing that, you're training your mind and other things for doing those things when you get out on in the field and it's like day four, day five, day six, and, and you just got to keep putting one foot after the other. And you're like, hey, I, I've been here before. It might be your first backcountry hunt. It might be your first Western big game hunt. It might be a, you know, whatever it is, but you're like, no, I've done this before. I haven't done this before, but I've but done it before. Done hard things. Yeah, you've just, you, you build those habits of the things that get you further for what for whatever you want to do. And that's that's the cool thing about the program and like training for me. I, I, that's the one thing that I find is like you could listen to, passively listen to 500 podcasts about mental toughness, right? But unless you go out and do the things and practice those things, you're never going to be better at it. I guess you could have like a PhD in mental toughness, but <laughs> yeah. still be like <laughs> you would be surprised. The bottom at, of the pack. You'd be surprised at how many people I've met who who that has, is their story and literally PhDs in a topic. But do you practice it? And they're like, well, I, I study it, I read a lot. And I'm like, no, but what do you do to make yourself mentally tougher? And I guess reading's hard for them. I don't know. Um, yeah, we and that's that's what we really strive for with the, the mental toughness program we're putting together. It's not a podcast. It's not designed to be something where hey, you passively digest it and you organically become better. It's like if you're listening to it to hear me talk for 15 minutes, like you're going to be disappointed. I'm not a world-class speaker. Uh, but, you know, we share some examples. We share some points. And we finish with like, here is an exercise. Do this. Write this down. Think about this. And then tomorrow we're going to build on it. So it's kind of a stair-stepped approach. And we want people to stick with it for those 10 days. You know, it's what I love about the physical aspect, the same vein, you know, Dustin and, and the Mountain Tough community came up with like their daily programming. I love it because and it's minimal gear. So you can, I've done it in hotel rooms. Like you just, hey, let me log on, see what it is. I go this 40 minutes. I'm just, I'm turning, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not worried about it. I'm just going to do what they tell me to do and follow along. And, you know, they throw some curveballs in there and it is hard. Uh, it's as hard or as easy as you make it. Uh, but it's just building that habit of consistency in that, in that, Hey, I'm used to this. Yeah, I don't feel like this, but I'm going to make myself do it. And that's that same muscle that day five on your, you know, Western Mountain big game hunt. Hey, I don't like this. I'm not used to it, but I'm going to make myself do it because I've built that muscle. I know how to do hard things. 
Um, so no, I, I, I love it. And I always love seeing different realms where the same principles come into play. Like things you're saying resonate so much with what I've seen in special operations and all these other communities I've had the opportunity to, uh, to be part of. Did you want to jump forward to failure on this? Yeah, I think that uh, failure, you know, talking about what to do, you know, I think that one of the things that I notice with people that are very mentally tough is like their ability to deal with failure in a different way. Um, you know, I know in my personal life, whether it's hunting, whether it's whatever, um, I don't even like I've encountered a lot of quote unquote failure, but I've never seen it that way. It's just kind of the thing that moves me forward. I, and one of the kind of the way that I think of it in a lot of ways is there's like when I go to select a hunt and many times there's, there's hunts that I could have done that I go like, oh, I'd be guaranteed to be successful. Right. Um, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm going to spend my time on this low density unit over the counter tag that probably has the worst success rate. And that's the hunt that I chose to do over another one where I might've had higher success because it was like, you know, if I get the one where it's just a gimme, how am I going to get any better? And, and, and I've kind of even multiplied that, you know, through my own personal career of doing like, I do a lot of like self-filmed hunts. And then I did things that people had never done before. And it's like, okay, but those were the things that I chose to do and never looked at them as failure. I think, you know, but for me, it's easy to talk about it in the realm of hunting because, you know, that was what I always wanted to progress in. And then a few years back, I, uh, I learned this, this is just kind of like a, a, a sidebar on the topic of failure. Right. But I think, um, I learned to ski. Uh, a friend of mine uh, taught me how to ski and I was like, I really enjoyed it. And I was naturally extremely good at it. I would say like, I don't know, but like, you know, my first day we were going like first day learning to ski. He's like, all right, we're just going to dive in. And we go down a, uh, a, you know, a, a, me a medium advanced run. Right. And then by the end of the day, I was going down advanced runs and, and I started skiing a lot. And I, I was like, man, I'm real, like in my head, I'm like, I'm really good at skiing. I got to the end of the season and I never fell. Right. And I was like, hmm, I never fell. And I was like, I must be a great skier. Right? So I was like brand new at skiing. Must Damn, be a great skier. I didn't fall. <clears throat> and then the next season I started skiing again and I, I'm going down the runs and I'm having a great time and I'm like patting myself on the back going, man, I, I haven't fallen. I must be a good skier. And then there's this like gate that's open and it's like double back black diamond going off. And I look at it and I was like, oh no, that's, I, I don't want to go down that because I'll probably fall. Right. And I thought about it and I was like, well, you're a really shitty skier. Right. Because I was, I thought that I was doing good because I never pushed myself to the point where I wasn't like I needed to progress. And so I was like, okay. That's that doesn't mean that I'm a good skier. It doesn't mean I wasn't progressing at all. I was essentially as good as I was the day that I started. I just had good balance and whatever was naturally good at it. But I, because I was naturally good at it, I just took the easy route. I took the runs that I knew were like semi-advanced, but not so advanced that I knew I was just going to eat it. And I decided, okay, I'm going to go down this one. And I went down it and I just tomahawked down the entire thing. Right. <laughs> and I was like, okay, now I can start to progress because if I'm not falling every time, then I'm never going to get better at it. And I, instead of seeing the falling as a failure, and that was like my track of what's good and what's bad, I saw the falling as like, this is a way that I'm progressing if I want to actually be a good skier or call myself a good skier. Love it. 
Yeah, yeah. Failure, by the way, just, you know, I think I actually do have a PhD in failure. So this is like my subject matter expertise, all kinds of failure. You can't raise eight kids without really tasting that bitter failure taste over and over. And you better figure out some way to learn from her. It's just going to sting a lot. It's interesting. We, we used to, um, like I said, run some pretty challenging programs. And some of them were kind of more an assessment and people trying out for different organizations. And it amazed me how many naturally talented people, you know, they were the captain of the football team. They always were successful on their hunts. They, you know, went and played college, some college sport. And they were, again, they just naturally were good at things. And then we'd bring them into some of our programs that really challenge them mentally, emotionally, physically. And, you know, most, most of them wouldn't make it. And you're sitting here with this very seasoned, successful person uh, who's done well at everything in all their life. And you're like, hey, you know, sorry, Remy, uh, love, you, love you like a brother, but you, you didn't make the cut. And you just watch them break like they were so fragile because they had never exercised that failure muscle and they didn't know how to process. And we ended up having to nurse some of those folks through it so that they could return to their original organizations and jobs and do well. We're like, no, you're awesome. You just you weren't successful here. That's okay. And oh, by the way, it's only failure you fail to learn from it. So I, I think when you look at mentally tough people, there is, there is no education like failure. When we ran training programs, we would deliberately do shooting drills where we would want people to shoot faster and faster at, you know, that painted circle on steel, little three inch or six inch circle. And we get them shooting faster and faster until their shot group started spreading out. And we're like, okay, now you know where your limit is. Okay, so let's see how we can push that. So they were basically, we were pushing them to failure so they understood this is my threshold and now we had something to move versus like you skiing the easy, easier slopes and being like, yeah, I got this, I'm awesome. You don't, you don't know that. You haven't really challenged yourself yet. Uh, but once you challenge yourself and then you push back you know, and you, and you pass where you failed and now your failure points a new point. Now, now failure is being a powerful educator. And that's, again, easy to talk in the lodge, right? And then I'm going to go out there and have, have like an angry conversation with one of my kids and be like, oh, I suck again. So how I think that the trick and where you really start getting into mental toughness and failure is, is how we deal with it and how we, how we perceive it. Um, you know, I know for myself, you know, I, I've hunted and I've, I've had failure. I've had a bad shot. I've had that gut shot and I'm tracking it all day and I can't find it. And I, I feel so lousy at the end of those, you know, end, end of that day. It wasn't, hasn't been a lot of them, but enough for me to go like, I never want to go through that again. Like, I just feel like a terrible person. And I think it's important to first and foremost, acknowledge failure. You know, some people fail and just go, uh, they, they don't own it. They're like, well, the reason that happened was because you know, my guide sneezed when I took the shot, the, the deer jumped, it's, it's never their fault. And so that is to me the worst form of failure because you can't even acknowledge it. If you can't acknowledge it, you can't learn from it. If you can't own your piece of it, then you can't fix it because the only thing we really control is ourselves. So first and foremost, hey, how do I recognize the failure and acknowledge it? Like, oops, I messed this up. So own it. If you're with people, own it in front of them. That gives you a level of accountability. And that's not self-deprecating, woe is me, I suck. That's like, man, I, I blew that. that. That's on me. I'm sorry. That gives you such immense power. What's crazy, and I've run into this when I've been you know, in charge of some of these organizations, is when I've acknowledged failure to my team before, uh, instead of them being like, yeah, you're right, you suck, all of a sudden they're coming to the table going, well, here's my piece and why we didn't succeed there. That, like, there's some of that on me. And keep in mind, some of the things I'm talking about, like they're life and death failures. That's a bitter pill to swallow when you're like, hey, this was on me. Um, 
But when you build that culture organizationally, it's, it's wickedly powerful because you have all these people learning from it. So first is acknowledge and like, it's okay to feel, feel shitty. Uh, but then what's important is to go, to look at the failure and go, why, what was it? Like, why did I tomahawk down that really steep hill? Well, cause I've never really pushed my limits. Okay. How can I apply that going forward? You know, I'll go back to kind of the, the gut shot, you know, dear, you know, you, when you bed down for the night and in your sleeping bag and you're like feeling awful about it, like that's okay, but enough's enough. Like, got it. You feel lousy about it. You screwed up. Why did that happen? Oh, because I was too hasty. Well, why are you too hasty? Well, I got really excited. It's a freaking great, great animal that, you know, I've been blessed with to take a shot. Okay, how should I have dealt with it? Man, I should have done that box breathing technique and just thought about the fundamentals a little more instead of just squeezing off a quick shot. Okay, so tomorrow when I'm in the same situation, how am I going to deal with it? So you're taking that failure, you own it, you learn from it, and then you project it forward. And then when you get in that situation, be like, oh, I've been here before. This is what I'm going to do now. And I've already mentally rehearsed that. And now your failure has gone from something that stings and burns to something you can carry forward. Now, you still have the scars, but you're coming forward stronger. And what's really powerful is when you can use your failure to share with others and help them learn. And it's like, look, I've been here. I've done this. Here's how I worked around it. So learn from my mistakes. My favorite failure to learn from is someone else's. Uh, Unfortunately, I have a pretty beefy library in my back room of Phil's failures that I still learn from and refer to. And when I forget, my wife reminds me. So God bless her. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things I, when I think about the, the way, the things that I've learned the most, you don't learn a lot from a success. You know, you got the success, but you learned or you got that success from all those failures in the past. I, I, I think about elk hunting and, and the times, like I feel like I, I right now, uh, you know, fairly accomplished, successful elk hunter. But, you know, I might go out in a couple of days and, and kill an elk, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah. But it's all those years of things that I've tried that didn't work, the situations that I learned you know, from messing up, those are the ones that stuck with me and then figuring out, okay, what did I do wrong? Really analyzing and, and owning those situations saying, okay, yeah, I really messed that one up. But next time, this is what I would do. And, and really building that forward. And I think that that happens essentially, even still, you know, you have those things that happen daily. And the way the people, I, I see it on the mountain when I'm with a guy and something doesn't go right. And they just keep beating themselves up over that failure and like, but, you know, they didn't learn from it. And so what happens is they live in that failure and that, that failure continues to perpetuate and they keep failing and failing and failing and, and not that, but like, you know, failure and then learning about that failure and then trying to overcome it next. I mean, if it doesn't work out next time, okay, same thing. You just do that process over. What did I, what happened? What am I going to change? That's called the human learning model, right? Like. It's, I don't remember the easy days. I really don't. Like you probably don't remember all those blue and single black diamond runs you did learning skiing, but you sure as hell remember the first time, you know, you, you tomahawked down that double black diamond and, and those lessons you carry forward. I, yeah, we actually have a whole, whole session in the mentally tough thing that's focused on adversity and obstacles and challenge and, and how to deal with it. And I just think it's the way our our human brains wired. Like you, we, we learn from putting our, our hand on the hot stove and failures that way. I think it's really important for individuals and mentally tough people truly get this is that your failure does not define you. Uh, just, and honestly, your success doesn't define you, at least to yourself. Other people will judge you based on past performance and experience, but the reality is every day is a new day. Every moment's a new moment. You can define yourself in that. So I can, 
I can learn from past mistakes and apply them and become better going forward. Um, that doesn't guarantee success, but it certainly ups a percentage. Uh, but the point is you can let go of that failure. You can leave that in the past. Conversely, just because you had 100 successful elk hunts doesn't mean that something's going to happen today and you drop the ball. Uh, those successes in the past don't define you. Every day, rent is due. So show up with your A game, get mentally alert, prepare physically, and get after it. That's awesome. Well, I hope you guys really enjoyed that. I know that for me, mental toughness is one of those things that I really believe if you can hammer down and and really just change your mindset, you're going to be a lot better in a lot of different areas of your life. Uh, and I think that that's one of the reasons, you know, I've talked about it before, but that's one of the reasons that I've partnered with Mountain Tough because they have these programs for fitness, for mental toughness. And now they've got a new 10-day series, 10-day session program on mental toughness. It's going to build you know, actionable things that you can do to become more mentally tough. So I'm really excited about that. The cool thing about for our listeners, if that's something you're really interested in, especially after listening to this podcast, you're like, oh, I want more of that. That's something that I need for the upcoming season. You can actually essentially do that whole program for free just using code LiveWild. So the first thing you do, you can go to mountaintough.com. You can't do it in the app store because it doesn't allow codes, but go to mountaintough.com. Click start free trial, then select monthly, and then just enter code LIVEWILD there. And that'll give you six free weeks to do the mental toughness program, as well as all of the other fitness programs available. And those are available to you free, special for our listeners. So um, thank you guys so much for doing that. Phil, thanks so much for coming here and, and just giving us those tips and the things like this is such important stuff. And I think that when we're talking about hunting and, and doing hard stuff, I really feel like this pairs well with what we do. And I think that, thank you guys so much for this program because I really think it's going to help a lot of people out this upcoming season. So thank you so much for stopping by. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. All right, everyone. Now time for our awkward goodbye. Until next week, I'm gonna just going to say, toughen up, buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> Catch y'all later. <laughs>